Welcome to another episode of the Rural Wellness Podcast, a podcast to support, connect and empower those in rural and remote areas to live their healthiest life. I have been connecting with a number of producers um, in regards to talking about their products that they create on their farms that have awesome health benefits. We have so many amazing change makers in the agricultural industry at the moment and I want to bring to you guys what they are doing and how we can make quality products that can have a real impact on our lives. So I can't wait for you to see the next few episodes. Welcome to another episode of the Rural Wellness Podcast. I'm excited to have on the episode today, Pip Lawson from the Pinaroo Farmer. How are you, Pip? Uh, good, thanks, Haley. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks so much for taking time out of your morning to jump on and record this. I have been following you for a little while and uh, really love the flowers that you've been creating and I would love to hear a little bit more about that in a moment but did you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and where are you based? Sure well thank you first of all for having me. Um, I am a fourth generation farmer so my husband and I actually moved back onto my family farm which I guess is a little bit different and I had been so once I finished school I traveled and did all of those type of things I actually have a degree in uh, a bachelor of science and tourism and so I worked in that field for a few years so looking at how business can be sustainable with tourism and the impacts uh, various sites can have on local wildlife and things like that and then I did a few other jobs and I've always found myself in some sort of educational role, which was pretty funny. And so I decided to do my dip ed in middle school, um, majoring in uh, general science and geography. So I married an aircraft mechanic from the RAF and we lived in Adelaide for a little while. And then we decided to move back to Pinaroo, which is on the border of SA and Victoria. Yeah, absolutely. I guess we've been, I've had a few episodes and I've been talking to a few other people um, who are doing really cool things in ag that are really impacting um, our health. And you have been starting these lentil, this lentil flour for a little while now. And I was, it's a gluten-free flour and I just wanted to really jump in and talk to you more about it because we can see obviously standard gluten-free flours uh, can be quite inflammatory as well as starchy and, um, you know, high in carbohydrates, not the best for us. So why did you start creating lentil flour? Yeah, um, so we have probably three reasons why we went uh, down this path. So a couple of years ago, our, so I'm on a farm, a family farm, which has uh, wheat, barley and lentils. So lentils are extremely pivotal in our cropping rotation. You know, they fix organic nitrogen into our soil. So our farm's been practicing 
um, no-till, using no-till technology for the last 19 years here. So we're in a semi-arid environment. So our rainfall's less than, well, it's around 300 mils. And in our growing season, it, we, um, like two years ago, we received less than that. So we had about 100 mils in our growing season. So in 18, 19 years, uh, we had no rainfall or very limited rainfall. Uh, we still managed to get a crop, which was lucky. And we also experienced severe frost. So getting down to sort of minus seven some nights. And we were finding that because of the dry finish, the lentils were actually becoming chipped and damaged through the header. So no matter what uh, settings we had on, on our machines, we just couldn't keep them uh, nice and whole. So in and around our region, we typically grow all our lentils, our red lentils for export market. And when we took our produce to the silos, our lentils were downgraded um, purely based on visual specifications. So they had too many dents and chips and cracks, um, which was pretty hard to hear as a grower because, you know, it's your income and you, uh, you know, you've sort of only got one time to sort of sell it at, towards the end of the year and, and the season was pretty, pretty lean anyway. Um, so we actually had to take our lentils back to our farm and try and work out what we're going to do with them. So we could clean them to try and remove some of these dented grains, uh, lentils out of the, out of our um, uh, trucks and silos that we had it all stored in. Um, or we could take a financial hit at the silo. So that could be anywhere from losing, you know, 30 to 50 bucks a ton. Um, on top of this, we also had the international tariffs, uh, export tariffs, which were also affecting our bottom line. So I guess my husband and I was sort of then really started to look at, well, you know, do we have to sell into the export market and why can't we sell? You know, there's nothing wrong with these, with these lentils. So we didn't, quite know what to do with them they sort of sat in the silo for a fair while to be honest um and then we sold some and just took a bit of the financial hit and then our third catalyst was our on the home front was our daughter and she was sort of about probably about four and we'd had she was always a terrible sleeper and and it was just getting worse especially as you're starting kindy and things like that and went to so many medical professionals to try and help me work out her sleeping and eating because because she was so tired she wasn't eating properly and sort of a bit, bit of a vicious cycle and one of the nutritionists said oh lady said you really need to look at her nutrition and so she goes you need to start looking at how you can give her protein because she refused to eat meat at the time except spag bog which <laughs> you can uh, there's only so many um, spaghetti bolognese meals one family can have <laughs> and uh, yeah so we decided to sort of look at this we'd heard a bit about plant-based and this movement um, I'd read a few articles and just did a lot of desktop research and sort of looked at what my family was eating and I tried to cut out additives and preservatives and tried to do a little bit more home cooking um, and that was helping definitely and 
but she was still picking out lentils. So we're trying to hide all these lentils. <laughs> terrible. We're trying to hide all these lentils into taco mixes and us, yeah, in a spaghetti and lasagnas and whatever but she was a culinary detective and would still pick them out <laughs> so my husband and I were driving to Adelaide one day and we thought why don't we just mill them and then we started to do a lot more research about that into pulse flowers and seeing what was around and looking at all the trends internationally over in uh, Europe and Canada and America and there seemed to be quite a lot of traction over there. So we thought, oh, perhaps, you know, it wasn't much in Australia. And we thought, oh, perhaps, you know, this is worth investing and uh, investigating. So we came home and that night and milled some <laughs> lentils in our kitchen whiz. And <laughs> it was like a, I tried putting it in a banana cake. and It was like someone had chucked a cup of sand because <laughs> they're such a hard seed, chucked a cup of sand into our banana cake um but we thought okay well, let's get it tested you know it's had these tough finishes you know let's see if it's got any nutritional value left and you know a few weeks later lo and behold it was there was absolutely nothing wrong with it nutritionally so it was then based purely on visuals so that's what started at Haley. wow those two three things yeah and that happened over sort of two and a half years so it wasn't we just didn't wake up one morning go oh let's make flour it was sort of a few reasons you know that led led to that yeah and I guess you had to do something differently and um yeah that this is where it kind of all started so you got the you got it tested and you worked out that obviously it was just um visual that was an issue there was no issue with the quality how did you then embark on this process of milling flour and how did you even start? Like, how did you know where to go or what processes you needed? Like, where was the next steps? Yeah, um, so we had got the nutritionals back and probably about two weeks later, later, two weeks later, I was talking to... Um, I was at a, a conference in Adelaide actually and I, I just happened to sit next to this lady and I was talking to her who happened to be a celiac and we we're just talking about um, how tricky that can be and and what you know how does she even go you know this was before COVID like when she went out for tea and and that sort of got me thinking about the whole gluten-free possibility as well but a step before that is I actually did some research on going, I just need some help to know whether this idea has actually got any legs. And I found a, a, a company actually called Farmers to Founders who offered uh, through a grant application process, who offered um, farmers only, which was great. Okay, tick that, the chance to run and test their idea with a mentor so basically getting ideas out of the paddock and to the uh, to marketplace so I actually worked with them for it was a three-month grant and we basically they helped facilitate doing a lot of customer research so I had to test whether yes this was solving my pain of you know my toddler not you know my preschool child not eating and sleeping issues and nutrition and 
but does it does anyone actually really care about it <laughs> sorry yeah. I had to do a lot of customer research which was great it was all evidence-based and and through that process I was very fortunate enough to have a mentor every fortnight working one-on-one and by the end of that, I really had, I probably wasn't 100% sure we were on the right track, but I definitely was sort of 70 to 80% sure. And I got to the stage where I built a prototype and I, I got a logo and, you know, we invested in a small domestic meal. And, and then I started sampling it on friends and family and, you know, with a couple of recipes and seeing what their family thought of it. And, you know, built a website by myself, which I have no I. CT experience in that in that department you know started up some inst- an Instagram and Facebook account to you know try and uh, get some customer feedback from that and and then spent my husband and I spent the next six months really just testing all the time you know asking questions what do you like what you don't like um, you know pricing like how do we go about pricing something like this because we you know, this, even though farming is so integral to our food, you know, food supply and things like that in Australia, we don't actually have a lot of contact we're finding with the end consumer, especially in our business model, our current business model. So it was, it was really interesting talking to the end consumer, you know, they were eating the stuff coming out of your paddock, which was quite rewarding. And, and I also found that consumers were quite happy to know you know, I had sort of read a bit about food miles and traceability and, you know, customers wanting to know about their food origin. But until I was really speaking to people, I didn't realise how important that was. So we felt after sort of six months that, okay, we might be onto something here. And, and yeah, that sort of led us today and up to today. And we've, um, been looking oh well, since November we've been doing a lot of R&D we're actually going to which I can't tell you just yet Hayley <laughs> but we're about to release a new product which is even more healthier than our original lentil flour Maybe. so it's really really exciting and that's been happening in the background since November so we were lucky enough just to meet people who are really passionate about what we we're trying to do and and the fact is that you know, the reason why we called it the Pinnery Farmer was because eventually we want to not just use our lentils, but we were sort of, we feel that we were so could solve problems for other lentil growers who might be in the same situation as us, as us with having, you know, dry finishes to their season and their lentils not making export quality and based purely on the visuals. Um, so we felt that there was an opportunity there as well to have a new domestic lentil market and so we could not rely solely on the you know international yeah and well sorry into into the export market overseas so probably trying to take uh, ownership back a little bit of how we market our produce so and I think that's that, where, did that answer your question? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. And I think that's, um, I've had Bianca from Our Cow on the podcast recently as well. And um, oh, yep. that traceability and also um, that paddy to plate model and, you know, knowing where your food is coming from and all of these things is 
why I've kind of reached out to you and a few other people to kind of talk to them because there are amazing people in agriculture at the moment doing awesome things and creating awesome, awesome produce, which then obviously has a huge impact on our health and can be so much better for us. And um, yeah, that's why I so wanted to get you on. And I 100% agree. I would prefer to pay more to be able to get something local that is that I know where it's come from, like all of those sort of things that you've been talking about, I would 100% prefer to, um, you know, pay more or find it and um, do all of those things because it's supporting Australian businesses um, and, you know, you guys have really strong ethics around um, how you produce things and quality and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I really um, loved I love hearing about that and it's fantastic. So obviously from that first moment when you had that trip to Adelaide and you built uh, milled some flour at home, how have you, how has that then formed into the product that you've currently got the flour that's already on your website? Like how did that test that you did, that banana <laughs> cake, that your first banana cake that you did to now, how has it evolved? Obviously, it's probably tasting a lot better than sand <laughs> at the moment. Can you give me a little bit more of a um, understanding of how that process has happened and what is it kind of, how does it work in a recipe now? Yeah. Um, so from, yeah, so from a... <laughs> sand experiment we we it decided like I said before we decided to invest in a domestic mill because um the lentil seed is a really tough seed to yeah. mill I had to teach myself all about the various microns you can have like so many different levels and grades of flour which I had no idea about <laughs> you see I'm not even I'm just a very base <laughs> I'm a very basic cook and if any of my friends and family if you asked any of my friends and family I'm not even would class myself as a cook it's like so I'm completely um uh had to teach myself how to do all of this and how it worked and I had never used alternative flowers ever I was very much you know plain flour um self-raising flour maybe use some almond meal and that was about as exciting as I ever got <laughs> so um, I guess the the drive came so deep within me to find this other alternative way to use our lentils um, that really kept me going. And especially when you have a child who is a fussy eater, and I'm sure there's probably some of your listeners who are in that same boat and you just wish they would finish a piece of cake or <laughs> a, a meal or and every every time they ate something I just wanted to be as healthy as possible so I had a lot of that internal drive to you know get this up and running um so I guess where it's moved from now is that from my customer research back in the early days I realized how important gluten-free was to a lot of potential customers mm -hmm. and obviously we're a wheat barley farm and straight away I was like oh god how are we going to how on earth are we going to do this and you know it took it took a lot of um diligence or it does take a lot of diligence on our heart, heart part and we worked out sort of where any cross-contamination would occur so we focused on those 
areas first. And a lot of that comes down to machinery hygiene, especially uh, augers and trucks and silos and headers. And, and if anyone's from a broadacre farm who uses a header, uh, you know how many working parts are in that. So <laughs> it was a lot to think about. And at the start, I was like, oh, God, I don't know where we can, we can really do this. So anyway, we did our first harvest and we, we um, spent two days just working out, you know, what we needed to target and cleaned out a small silo and made that gluten-free. And uh, so there was, you know, there was no cross-contaminates there. They, the lentils had their own silo. Then we went to our augers. We looked at our uh, rotation of how we're going to harvest. So all our lentils come off first now. Um, so we're never switching between commodities. Um, and we run, you know, 80 to 100 tonnes, which is a lot of kilos of lentils, mm -hmm. <laughs> through the machine, through all the machines. So the trucks, the the augers, the headers. Um, but prior to that, we have a pretty rigid cleaning process before we even start reaping our lentils. Um, so two sets of cleaning. So we've worked, we've got it down to about a day worth of machinery hygiene that, that we do. Then we harvest the lentils. Like I said, we take off 80 to hundred tons. And then, um, and then we keep the flour, like what we're going to use for the flour and store it in its own silo. So we then milled that and, you know, with all our fingers and toes crossed, hoping we'd done the right thing. And it, and it came back with no traces of gluten. So we were absolutely so ecstatic and so happy that we managed to do that and we could still run the rest of our farming business. Um, That's fantastic. Because the lentils are a third of our cropping program and we're a third wheat and a third barley. So, yeah, so that was a massive hurdle. Uh, it was really a hurdle. Well, it did. It took us a lot of nutting out how to do that. So we were, we were quite proud of that. Um, and that's opened up a lot of uh, avenues for us being gluten-free. And I know that a lot of gluten-free customers out there are very thankful because a lot of their flour, uh, you know, our, our lentil flour, you know, it's a pulse flour. It has a lot of health benefits. So, you know, 100 grams is 49% of your protein, you know, recommended daily intake so it's great and I know I just it's really humbling to hear from our customers writing to me saying they mix it in with their breads and they find that they're not getting as hungry you know after lunch because they've got that the protein and the fiber in there that's keeping them full and <laughs> they're feeling healthier and they can add it into into their biscuits or into their cakes. So the question was, how does it work? Um, so a lentil does absorb a lot of moisture. So it can be a, quite a dense flour. Um, it blends beautifully. You don't have to be gluten-free to eat it. Like it blends beautifully with SR flour too, or plain flour. And it also blends really nicely if you want to use it with tapioca or, or, or different alternative flour. So that is a tick and and the yeah so I find with my recipes that if I say do half and half so I'm 
say the recipe requires a cup of flour, I'll do half lentil and half something else, depending on what I'm creating. And I will, when I use the lentil flour, we'll have to add a little bit more moisture. So sometimes I will add another egg. Sometimes I just, you know, if I get to the end of the batter and it's feeling, looking a little bit dry, I'll add, I don't know, two or three tablespoons of oil that helps um, to keep the moisture in, in whatever I'm cooking. Um, in bread, I have to add uh, probably 20 to 30 mils more water than what a typical recipe will allocate. So there is a few little tips and tricks. Um, but yeah, I'm make, easily being able to make gluten-free recipes without them drying out the next day, which is what a lot of people who eat gluten-free will find with baking products that they'll cook this beautiful cake and the next day it's um, going pretty dry. So I have been able to make things that that will last, you know, three or four days if they last that long in my household. It's pretty hard <laughs> I have to sort of hide things away <laughs> to test it. <laughs> so, Absolutely. And I um, think if yeah. you as someone who isn't a cook if because that's what you've said yeah. that, you're not a cook if you can do it and if you can get your kids to eat it as well because that's always a, a judge of if things are good or not oh, yes. um yeah kids, kids will tell <laughs> you how yeah um I think it's possible for anyone to incorporate some uh, uh lentil flour into your um day and into your baking as well Absolutely. And I think that's with the recipes, I've kept it really basic. And so, you know, there are people out there who, who are customers, uh, far more proficient cooks than what I am, and they'll send me all their, you know, tweaks and, and it's great. I love reading it because, you know, and then I'm able to add that in as, oh, you could add this into this and um, it still works. So, uh, yeah. And that's been really fun too. Like some people are just so creative out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I feel that my role is just to get people going and then you can just take it where you want it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and on your website, you have like a section that has recipes from um, the customers. So that's awesome. Cause I think um, it's that um, uh, like that other thing of um, people have used it. So it must be, you know, and you've, they've created these recipes. So it must be, be good to uh, good enough to give it a go as well yeah. so I love that um that secondary kind of <laughs> uh, um yeah secondary kind of I can't think of the word but um yeah to be like yes it's good let's give it a go yes and and a lot of those recipes that you'll see on there from our local ladies of Pinaroo who at the beginning I just went help I, <laughs> I need some more cooks can anyone try this for me and you know if you have a recipe that you're willing to share, um, that would be much appreciated. So I'm internally thankful to awesome. uh, to our small local community of Pitaru. Yeah. So a real community um, aspect, I think your business is forming into as well um, with, you know, um, the brand change and all that kind of stuff as well. So I love that. Um, so just before we wrap up today, you answered some of my questions um, just before in regards <laughs> to keeping it gluten-free and how you've done that, which is so awesome. I love it. Um, but just to touch on, and I know you're not a nutritionist, but um, I can jump in as well. But um, with the flour itself, obviously we know it's higher in protein and higher in fiber. Are there any other nutrients that it, um, it is high in? 
does it contain any um yeah different nutrients that can be a benefit to us um yeah so i guess and this is where probably our new flower is taking it is that the lentil is obviously uh really good for us we all know that as typically as australians we don't tend to eat a lot of lentils it hasn't really been in our culture too maybe or our mums or dads never really cooked with it at home so um, i think we've had to do a lot of education with just people to go oh you can use lentils in in this i thought you just use them in curry so i i, I feel that people sort of know that lentils are quite healthy our new however the problem is that when it that when they're in our body they they're not actually in there long enough for us to make uh, use of all the nutrients that are yeah. potentially available to us which is where our new product that's hopefully going to launch towards the end of the year um we've actually been able to without going into too much detail because uh, we're in the final stages of our r d mm -hmm. we've actually managed to naturally activate an enzyme which makes all the additional nutrients in the lentil more bioavailable for the body oh, wow. so yeah so that means that our calcium goes up by 30 percent our folate goes up by 30 percent this is compared to our original flour yeah um yeah and access to magnesium and yeah so there's this coming <laughs> this is all coming watch this space. which is and it's yeah, absolutely. So I feel that the humble lentil, you know, um, <clears throat> we have quite a few diabetics who use our lentil flour and they find, look, I am definitely, like you said, not a nutrition nutritionist, nor am I have any experience with uh, diabetes, but I just, just from what my customers have told us, do yeah. find it quite gentle on their insulin, even though it is high in carbs, but the fiber in there, um, they said helps to make it you know a slow release so yes. yeah yeah so there's a lot of space for us to explore which is really exciting um and I'm so excited to bring out this new flower which is going to have a new uh taste profile and a new nutritional profile so yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely have to watch um, this space. <laughs> yeah, definitely be watching and uh, keeping an eye out for that. Um, and that's a good thing to talk about as well. Can you tell me about the taste of it? So if no one's had lentil flour before, what's the taste like? Yeah, yeah, I was going to, I was, had that down to speak about because that's usually the first question everyone asks. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when you open up the lentil flour packet, um, it does have a strong smell, it just to be smells like lentils. Um, and when you tip it or pour it into your batter or in, in cake mix or biscuits or whatever, it can, when it's raw, <clears throat> taste a little bit bitter. Um, and people can get a little bit concerned about that. They're like, oh no, what is this cake going to taste like? Yeah. But it does need to be cooked. <laughs> So um, when it cooks, it it uh, picks up, and I think that's one of the reasons why that a lot of people are liking it is it because you can use it in sweet or savoury. Yeah. So if you're mixing it in something 
sweet. Um, so say you've got the spice of cinnamon in there, really acts as a flavor carrier and will complement that. However, if you're putting it into a tomato-based sauce and you've got basil, basil in there or something, it really sort of brings out those flavors and adds a bit of an earthier texture to it. I know a few restaurants are loving it with their meat dishes because it really brings out this, um, yeah, like I said, this earthy uh, taste and a nutty kind of taste. Um, but then again, you can use it in a creamy sauce. Like I, the other night I used it, I made a white creamy cheesy sauce and then poured it over my veggies and made a veggie bake. So it does have a lot of uses. So you can use it in your pancakes. Um, what I do suggest, and our in-house nutritionist, she nutritionist she often recommends it to her patients because I had terrible I, IBS and and for the last 20 years so along with my daughter and my own you know gut health <laughs> issues you know we sort of did this together and and I've uh, did a lot of research into this and I have actually found our flour to be quite gentle yes on your digestive um, system so it's just a really nice, easy way to ease yourself into adding more protein and fiber into your diet. And Danielle, our in-house nutritionist, she's often saying that that's a really good way to start is by introducing pulse flowers into your diet. So um, if anyone's worried, because I know a lot, we do get a lot of concerns about, you know, I, I get this and I try and avoid any, any um, you know, they often find legumes quite hard to, to yeah. process and I find you can use the lentil flour you can really build up so you can start off by just adding a couple of tablespoons into your tomato sauce to thicken it up or you know you might just add a quarter of a cup into your next chocolate chip biscuits or you know and and it just depends on each fam family as to how some people love the flavor because it's quite it can be quite strong the more you put in it yeah. but some people really love that they love that whole wholesome um taste and but you know my family probably half a cup with the kids would be their mac in, in any sort of cake so I'd do half whatever other flour and then half lentil yeah um but yeah I, I always tell customers just to start off light and build up yeah. <laughs> until you find what works for you <laughs> yeah for sure and I would have to agree in regards to um pulses and um you know how some people say they they affect their digestive system it's just just starting small and easing into it so um yeah just start slowly yeah and then because of obviously it's got its um prebiotic um benefit which feeds our good bacteria yes. our gush because of that um high in fiber um that's why we need to just make sure we're easing into it because you may experience a bit of a die-off factor or things like that so yeah I think start small in, in any situation and um, just ease on into it and then you can kind of um, trial it from there. But I think it's definitely a product that is looking really, really good and I can't wait for some of my customers to try it as well. Um, so I'll pop a link to your website where people can purchase it in the show notes. But can where can people find you on social media? We're on, I'm probably most active on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so that's just uh, the Pinnery Farmer. However, we've just changed our name. We've just shortened it actually to Pinnery Farms. So uh, <laughs> just to keep it a bit bit more 
a bit more clean, uh, cleaner look and feel. So just about to change. However, I'll leave it as the Pinnery Farmer for a little while yep. longer. Um, and also on Facebook and our website. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for jumping on and talking to me today. This has been fantastic. I've got a whole page of notes from what we've chatted about um, <laughs> and loving learning about your business and um, the flower and all of the health benefits as well. Uh, my brain is ticking and it's amazing. So um, thank you so oh, much. Thank you. And I can't wait to see what your new product um, brings later in the year. Oh, thank you so much, Hayley. It's been an absolute pleasure to have a chat with you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rural Wellness Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to leave us a review, please head over to Apple Podcast and um, leave us a review there, as well as we would love if you could share today's episode and any other episodes over on your social media and tell your followers what you think, because we would love to be able to grow this podcast so more people can feel supported, connected and empowered to live healthier lives in rural communities. We will see you on the next episode.